0: This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie Hello there and welcome to Tech Radio, the number one Irish tech podcast with you every Friday morning with your favourite podcasting app or Friday evenings with RTE Radio. My name is Dusty Rhodes. You welcome to show number nine hundred and ten. And joining me as always is our editor in chief, uh, Nile Kitson. Uh, lots of kind of stuff going on in, in the news. Facebook huge finds uh, from Ireland. Uh, music sales surprising results uh, from the USA. Not quite what you might think. Um, influencers really interesting study done. Uh, but first. It's a very short week this week. Of course, we've had St. Patrick's Day and then Friday the extra bank holiday and then Saturday and Sunday. It's like ah,
1: I just want to lay out and relax. Is there is there actually a name for this Friday's bank holiday? We're we're not calling it like Freedom Day or anything like that. Are we? Oh God it's no. It's just like no the extra just, day off. It's just, you know, yeah. It's it's like I don't give a feck.
0: That's what it's called. <laughs> 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 <Next day>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Like why why would you bother going back into work on a Friday if you've had Thursday off
0: but isn't it do you know what isn't it so nice it's kind of like it's even better than Easter for whatever reason because like you know like you don't like Good Friday is not strictly a bank holiday so like a lot of people mm. do work on Good Friday um, but just kind of this time around I th- I think there's less people working around the St. Patrick's Day weekend than there will be on, on an Easter weekend or
1: yeah. yeah, well, I tell you, I'm I'm in town at the moment, and um, you know the barriers are up for the parade, and you know things are things have been getting ready because we're recording this on on the Wednesday, so the parade hasn't hasn't happened just yet, and you know what, there isn't that same energy about the place just yet. I and mean, I reckon next year we'll probably be back at at full strength. But I think there's still a little bit of hesitancy out there, even though the the mask instructions have have been dropped and all that kind of thing. So I don't know. I think it's a perhaps a good year just to get people out and about and happy to engage with public services yeah. again um, but that, and I, you know I think that's the difference because it's like it's a four
0: day holiday but it's not mm-hmm. there's no focus on it do you know what I mean it's not like no. Christmas where you've got to visit all your friends and family and do all that kind of stuff and buy presents the sure. shopping and everything so there's none of that stress uh, mm. Easter you kind of you know there's certain expectations or maybe to you know kind of visit parents or whatever On on, on. there's none of that this is just no. it's a four day bank holiday weekend just for us and as you say yeah. Yeah, chill out. I'd, just I'd just like relax. to say, chill out, what is it, Netflix and chill? Well, I've watched Netflix everything on Netflix in the last two years. So. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> okay, so. Disney plus and <laughs> chill. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Niall no, Kitson, wash your mouth out. Listen, because yeah. it is St. Patrick's Day, there has been a very, very special award uh, awarded this weekend. Tell us all about it. It's all to do with the uh, Science Foundation of Ireland.
1: Yeah, Science Foundation Ireland have awarded their St. Patrick's Day Science Medal. They they do uh, two medals, one for industry, one for academia. And the industry winners this year are the Stripe Founders, Patrick and John Collison, uh, famously of limerick i think um and uh, the, their company now is worth 95 billion dollars if you can believe that and is one of the great engines behind uh, e-commerce as we know it and payments processing yeah it's becoming a, a verb i'll stripe you Sounds like something you do to somebody after it. A, it sounds a few like somebody, somebody on a, <laughs> on a Saturday night. Well, renting your frustrations uh, on the world.
0: My uh, my better half uses Stripe, and uh, and that's what she just says to people. She says, "I'll Stripe you, or I'll send you an invoice by Stripe, or whatever." Like you know, and that's mm. that's the way she works it. So that's well, why it's a when verb your company
1: name becomes a becomes a verb, you know, you've made it. Well, that's it exactly. Like you know, so th- I mean, that is a pretty big honor for for the two boys certainly is yeah uh well boys i mean they're they're well grown up at this stage but uh yeah absolutely i mean you might remember their first company automatic mm-hmm. uh back in what was it 2000 and five odd they sold to ebay for i think it was 100 million or something like that they they made absolutely huge money on it uh and they've do it they've just gone from strength to strength since there uh i mean i remember hearing the origin story of stripe and uh you know of course it wasn't uh it wasn't a basement company i mean it was a couple of lads went to i think it was argentina took a hotel room for uh a couple months and just were coding day and night trying to come up with uh, solutions the problem of easy e-commerce payments and you know the results are there to see i mean they, they've pretty much crushed everyone else um and it's it's a great irish success story of course they have relocated to silicon valley mm. um but uh, hey we like to claim them as our own whenever there's an opportunity for an interview uh, i think they're i think local media has all over them we haven't Yes, one of the brothers is going to be doing a, a talk with the co-founder
0: of LinkedIn, who has his own podcast and it's very successful. Um, I've forgotten the name of it, um, but uh, they are having an event in the states in September, and it's five thousand dollars to attend. And uh, one of the Carlson brothers is going to be there, kind of doing his doing his thing. But you can't just buy a ticket for it; you have to apply. And yeah, put down a deposit of 20% or something like that. Like, you've to put wow. down a $1,000 deposit
1: just to apply. See, that's that's very much like um, the original TED. I think there was like 5,000 tickets and it was, it was meant to be like, you know, the smartest people in the world get together for their thing and, you know, all very limited and exclusive and should then you know, everything got put up online and you can watch whatever you want. And there's the TEDx events, which are open sourced and anyone can set one up so long as you adhere to, you know, certain criteria and a certain style, uh, which I think is fairly easily parodied at the, at this stage. Um, but yeah, the, this idea of the super exclusive event, you know, you, who's going to be sitting in the audience beside you, they're probably going to be worth knowing. Um, yeah, if you them. can charge that kind of
0: money, why wouldn't you? Well, fair play to John and Patrick Collison and Stripe and getting the award and just proving to the world that, you know, anybody can make it. True. All right. Uh, and I think uh, another survey that has come out this is kind of leading in quite nicely into a survey from Pure Telecom this week about uh, influencers and people who want to make it and become
1: the next Kardashian. Mikko Kardashian. I think, whoa, okay, you have opened a can of of worms there, right? Um, I'm going to hit you with a piece of trivia that comes up every so often, right? Um, Because I think the survey uh, kind of uh, shines a light on a similar disparity between men and women, okay? So there was a survey done a couple of years ago, can't remember who by, but the question was, if you're a superhero, which power would you rather have flight or invisibility. And they split it. Apparently the results split fairly evenly down uh, along gender lines. So if you're a man, would you prefer flight or invisibility as a superpower? Invisibility. Really? You are so in touch with your feminine side, Dusty. I'm not. I'm
0: just thinking if I was invisible, I could sneak on a plane and fly anyway.
1: That's 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 some good uh, some good problem solving but uh, apparently um flight was more popular with men than women and consequently invisibility was more popular with women than men uh so it seems we can extrapolate this onto the world of social media where we're finding that more men are interested in becoming social media influencers than women wow um, what kind of percentage yeah. Uh, let me see if I have the gender breakdown exactly, because sometimes you you just get the, uh, you know, and men would prefer uh, than women. Well, you're looking so, that up
0: from, because uh, I read the article earlier, from what I remember, it was something like they did the survey and 48% of people surveyed, i.e. 48% of Irish adults would be interested in becoming an influencer. And it's like... But I think the way they're kind of looking at it is like they don't necessarily want to be an influencer on Facebook or social media or Instagram or what. They just want to be seen on social media as a dude or a dudette, if you wanted to put it that way. Um, they would rather be recognised for whatever it is that they do on social media than to be
1: recognised by their boss for doing a good job. I thought that was a very yeah. interesting. Um, okay, but, I found it. I got okay. the gender split here, okay? All right, go on. Uh, 58% of men would like to be a social media influencer. Wow, that's a big swing, yeah. 58 versus 45, well, personally I would have thought mm. 42, seeing as it's the difference, um, would uh, of women. So there you go. Uh that's interesting. I, I, do you know bit, what? A bit of a splash. Uh, after
0: for somebody who's been in media and broadcasting, and I suppose it's easier to be an influencer when you're on the radio. Twenty years ago, maybe mm. I would hate to be an influencer now. I would absolutely hate to be an influencer.
1: Why would you hate to be an influencer?
0: Because essentially what you're trying to do, I think, as an influencer is you try to put yourself above everybody else to go, look at me, I'm amazing. Or I know so much about this particular topic and let me tell you what the story is um and then what you've got to do is you have to i mean that's there's nothing necessarily wrong with that all right but you need to build an audience okay and the problem mm. is is you know all the tools are there to build an audience but of course all the tools are there for everybody else to build an audience and there's so much competition and there's so much just rubbish that you need to cut through in order to kind of make a name for yourself uh, that it's, it's it's like one of these things it's like pop music all right how many mm-hmm. people are, are into music and they like playing music and they'd love to be in a band and be successful but it's like it's only the top 1% of the top 1% who are actually you know kind of the Ed Sheerans of the world
1: yeah so. well look at it look at it this way what makes an influencer different to an authority Right. So say um, I'm just going to take something at random, uh, a film critic in a broadsheet newspaper. Right. Versus the guys uh, who might have, you know, a YouTube channel or a podcast like to talk about certain or a, yeah, podcast, there's a podcast or a whatever. I, I, I'm gonna say it's a couple and they you're, go and see you're a movie. Trading, you're trading on different things. Right. Mm. A critic in the traditional sense trades on their expertise. Right. An influencer, for my money, has less expertise but is much more personable and wants to engage with you on a personal level. The critic doesn't care. The critic will, you know, it's a didactic um, relationship. They write their thing. You read it. Okay, this man is a position of influence. He's mm. off there doing his thing. That's fine. That's an expert. An influencer is somebody who's much more accessible and perhaps shares the same values as you do and really tra- and really trades on that. So you kind of, it's a very difficult thing to manage. And I think it's very much a young person's game because it requires so much personal energy and so much force of will to maintain that, you know, the shiny facade all the time, which is how you, you find so many people fall into this trap particularly on Instagram, you know, you see people living what you think is their best life and they're actually miserable putting these things together. Um, just the, the pressure on them to keep producing and producing content um, and to do it with a, with a smile on your face. Very, very demanding. But uh, let's let's jump into another another thing that I thought was quite interesting in this survey. 21% of men would like being an influencer to be their main source of income versus 11% of women. That's because, as we all know, women are far clever. Far more clever. But again, it is that thing of, you know, who wants to be seen? You know, who and who wants to be seen as the person? Maybe, 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 uh, maybe. Um. All right. Well, the, yeah, the,
0: that's uh, Interesting. <laughs> I'm done on that's, influencers. That's now. interesting.
1: <laughs> that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's is, that our, is that our is that influencing part of the uh, no, part of the show? It's just, do,
0: you, um, do you know? want some geography? It's. I'm, I'm. 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 not a zoomer. All right. So yeah. uh, I'm kind of. I'm. I'm before that generation. So kind of influencers don't really. I I need to know about it as part of my uh, professional life. Uh, We have used influencers for various projects, but they don't necessarily always work. Mm. Um, It's kind of like, you know, kind of uh, uh, like trying to get a celebrity or famous person, exactly the same model. Do you know what I mean? Get a Mm. famous person involved in your project and lots of people will pay attention, possibly, but it doesn't mean that lots of people want to take part in your project and that's the thing so um uh, so yeah but anyway d- an interesting survey and and when i see the 48% of irish adults want to be influencers i just kind
1: of go oh dear oh dear we're we're going to Hell in a Handcart. Hell in the
0: Handcart. Now listen, I said I'm not a zoomer. Uh, let's go back a, a generation before that, and let me talk about music sales. All right, because Excellent. we live in a society now where uh, we nobody owns music anymore. We all just have a Spotify subscription or Apple Music subscription or whatever it happens to be, and we just listen to whatever we want out of millions, millions of tunes that are available to us at any time at the touch of a finger. However, uh, the RIAA in the states who monitor all the music sales not only downloads, but also streaming and CDs and all that kind of stuff, have had a look at sales from last year, 2021, and some really interesting stuff has come out of it, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, firstly, uh, CD sales are up 21%,
1: all right? I probably this... account for a lot of it. Yeah, <laughs> you... yeah that,
0: that's, that's interesting. That is really interesting. Why do you buy CDs in this day
1: and age? Why? Why? Doctor- Couple of reasons, Um, sound quality. Uh, Magnet ah. Plus is oh, can you really tell the a radically new approach yeah, to I can. connecting businesses. Okay. I guess Let's start with long service contracts. we shredded is them. It? You're uh, not tied no, into a contract. Okay. And you with 30 can days notice, okay. you can leave. I can. Yeah, yeah.
0: Our job is so, to make sure you um, never want to. So Magnet also, Plus promises incredible also, a credible service as standard. Deal, our people sales, will never let yours down. And with contract freedom, business broadband, you're never tied down. Discover what else Magnet Plus can do differently for your business at magnetplus.ie. Terms and conditions apply. Right. Okay. Well, very good. Well, CD sales are up 21% in the States. And one of the reasons is a lot of people like to support uh, local stores and they like having owning a physical product. Uh, And the reason why it's up 21% is because most of the music stores uh, were closed last year. So that's
1: kind of a low
0: hanging fruit. So it kind of of is, it kind of is a little bit, but here's what's interesting, right? Is downloads, okay, which you can get anywhere you want, all right? And you just Mm. buy your stuff on iTunes or wherever, all right?
1: Downloads are down 12%. Okay, so comparing like for like, right? Mm. How much do CDs bring in versus downloads just based on those two stats? Up 21%, down 12%. Would you believe they both bring in almost the same amount of money? Hmm. It's
0: five hundred eighty-four million dollars in sales for CDs last year. Downloads was five hundred eighty-seven million. So there's only like two, three, four million between them. More or less the same amount of CDs uh, were sold as were downloads. But uh, and that's and I'm talking value, all right. So it's hmm. not just kind of like you know downloading one song equals purchasing one CD. No, that's actual uh, uh, money that was sold. Both of those, let's say they're 600 million each. All right. Mm -hmm. Uh, How do you think vinyl compares to
1: downloads and CD? Well, here's the thing about vinyl. Uh, I go into, you know, a chain record store and I find that more space is now being given to vinyl than to CDs. And I don't know if that's a matter of the physical product being so much bigger that it needs, you know, more space in the shop uh, or if it's a matter of demand. Um, Now, I'm going to speculate and say there is more demand for vinyl than CDs because I think there's more appetite for an analog product that you can't get, um, something that's, uh, I I guess, in some people's mind, uh, pretty much the same thing online as off because CDs work off a a sample signal, as you know, um, just like uh, compressed audio. So I'm going to say vinyl sales are probably pretty healthy, but uh, still a niche part of the market. Would I be right? Niall Kitson,
0: I'm going to say something to you you don't hear often in your house. What? Niall Kitson, you were correct. I am correct. <laughs> you see, look listen to the shock in that voice. Uh, vinyl sales one billion. Compared to six hundred million for CDs, six hundred million for downloads, vinyl on its own, one billion dollars.
1: Uh, quite comfortably outperforming CDs and downloads together. But
0: nothing is coming close to the sales of streaming, which is our Spotify's and our Apple Music and our Amazon's. and da, 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 da. That's mm-hmm. all up uh, around about 23% over last year. 12 billion is what they're making. Okay,
1: let's, so. let's parse this out a little mm. bit. Okay, so we have CD sales are up 21%. Streaming services are up 23% roughly comparable increases uh post-covid um but we also have sort of a a bit of a hole in spotify's revenue over the joe rogan uh podcast nonsense that's happening uh nonsense in the sense that that's what he was spouting uh, and why a lot of people left the platform um so what does what what have we actually learned from this that, you know, people like streaming and they still like physical products?
0: Convenience. Better? That That is exactly what it is. Do you know what it is? It's convenience. People are lazy as sin. And I can tell you that because th- just my experience over the years, you give people and you say, there you go, there's all the music in the world. Oh, here's a great example. OK, here's all the music in the world. Make a playlist of all of your favourites. People don't do that. They go to the pre-made playlist on Spotify. I I found a playlist. I really like this. (laughs) Mm. All right. So it's just pure convenience is what I would say uh, that it is. And it's a small cost and it's just a tenner. The only thing I'm finding, and I think a lot of people are, is you're getting, well, that's just a tenner and that's just a tenner and that's just 15 quid. And, and sure, it's only for 20 quid for that. And all of
1: a sudden, uh, like you're looking at your credit card.
0: Up. Yeah, exactly. You know, there's like 300 mm. quid's worth of, of of different little things in there. And you kind of go. Yeah. Oh, well,
1: well you, you know, go. we've we've just had a recent uh, price hike on Netflix. I think we're up to eight ninety nine for like the yeah. basic, basic tier. And you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm. You know, Netflix is running dry for me. Uh, I mean, uh, if you're a sci-fi or, or a horror fan like oh, myself, today, awful. it's very, very slim pickings. Yeah, 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 yeah. True. Anyways, so listen, there we go. That's all the news.
0: Uh, that is news for this St. Patrick's weekend. Nile, thank you as always for keeping us up to date. This is Tech Central, your weekly tech podcast from Ireland's TechCentral.ie. Tech- We have been looking at the use of automation and robots in the manufacturing sector for some time, and to us, it's an inevitable improvement on how factories are operated. However, not everyone shares the same opinion to the point where even some businesses have received death threats against managers. So are robots really replacing human jobs? Does the fourth industrial revolution mean the end of the manufacturing sector? Nile Kitson spoke with Mark Gray, the UK and Ireland country manager with Universal Robots about his vision of robots in the workplace and why there's no substitute for common sense.
1: market has been a truly remarkable few years when it comes to digital transformation and automation uh, for various different reasons, which we'll we'll touch upon as, as our conversation uh, progresses. But pre-pandemic, I think it's fair to say that there was a certain distrust or a certain level of panic almost about uh, cobots, if you will, robots coming into factories and helping people work better, or in some cases replacing human jobs, to the point where some people were receiving death threats. But that that attitude seems to have
2: cooled somewhat over the last two years. Would you agree? I would. I've certainly seen the changing attitude of manufacturers to looking at adopting uh, collaborative robots as part of the the workforce, if you like. Um, the, the notion that cobots replace people um, is a little bit outdated because the clue is in the title of the product. It's a collaborative robot, so it's made to work alongside people. If we wanted to replace people with robots, we wouldn't have made it collaborative. What we see is uh, a robot that can work with a person to take some of the tasks and balance the tasks between the robot and the person and make them more productive. And that's one of the things that, particularly in Ireland, is that the companies that we've dealt with are looking at increasing productivity and throughput, basically.
1: So as part of that element of productivity, seeing as we can't physically get people into the factories as much as uh, we would like, is creating sort of a non-touch environment where you can work away with appropriate social distancing, with appropriate protective measures in place, um, but still manage to churn out uh, um Uh, a safe and accurate and and a product that people can really stand beside. Um, Have you found that uh, that element of the no-touch workplace really taking off as
2: well? Yeah, we've seen a sort of instance of that where people are looking to be social distanced. So what were sometimes two-man operations, it's now a person and a robot working side by side. And in particular, for assembly stations in things like electronics or medical devices, where you've got a lot of separate people on a production line, you might look at replacing every second or third task using a cobot. And what that means is that you can redeploy those people, give them social distancing on different parts of the line. One of the things that's inherent that we've been talking about this week when we've been in Ireland is a lot of companies are struggling to find labor. There's an aging workforce and there is a labor gap. So people now look at cobots as taking over some of the what we call the 3D tasks, the dirty, dangerous, and dull tasks, and let them use the human workforce to use their skills, the real valuable part about it. Because human skill, if we think about it, is the most valuable asset to any manufacturing business. And if you're paying people to do a a job, you want the best that you can get out of those people. You don't really want them to be stood doing a repetitive day-in, day-out task. That's where robots really come into their own.
1: I think that the, the uh, that certainly works from a product development perspective as well, uh, as well. If you look at companies that are looking to innovate, they can look at their supply chains, they can look at their factories and go, do you know what, where previously what we want to do, the kind of product we want to develop would have required an extra step along the line. We can rationalize that back down and still develop new
2: products that people will want. Exactly. We, we, we think that um, by using Cobots as a technology, it also sort of um, makes companies more susceptible to adopting technology and the complete production process, and that means that they can increase their capacity, their output, which is uh, which is the key for, for moving forward. I think part of the concern is
1: that uh, people do sort of associate the the arrival of of cobots, or whether it extends from you know automated chatbots uh, as customer service all the way up to you know lab robots in the um, in the hospital settings which we, which we've seen over the last 2 years where the matter hospital has been using uh, robots to speed up covid-19 testing um, it, is there this awareness yet that it's both blue-collar and white-collar jobs that can be automated with the same level of efficiency? Or does that perspective still exist that automation is primarily a blue-collar problem?
2: I think people think of it as a blue-collar problem as opposed to we're going to completely transform uh, the manufacturing sector. But what's interesting is um, it's all about sharing the task. So you don't really want to decimate the, the employee numbers within a factory by making a hybrid workforce where you've got robots and people working together. That can only increase productivity and increase output. And that's what I think that companies are kind of thinking about now as opposed to it's an alternative to a human. You can use them to fill the, the, the labor gap that they have. But it's all about efficiency. That's the That's the notion that we have. And the, where we are in compared to other parts of the world – we're a little bit behind in the adoption of technology, automation, and robotics compared to places like Korea or China. And to compete on the global stage, we need to match them with the kind of technology and the uh, the throughput that they can achieve. Because as things become more localized, you have um, things like being able to reshore, and that's important, that people can get access to uh, goods and services actually in their uh, their own backyard rather than having to import products from halfway around the world.
1: There's been, uh, as was any new technology or technology that, that becomes attainable, there does seem to be this gold rush to see, can it apply in my sector, uh, which can lead to a certain degree of wastage or, you know, uh, wasted investment in robotics. I think in particular, we're starting to see kind of a plateauing of Robots and drones as delivery methods, um, partly due to accuracy, partly due to an awful lot of these drones have to have a a pace car shadowing them uh, to make sure that deliveries are completed accurately. Do you see any particular fields where you think, "Do do you know what, maybe this hasn't been a good fit? Maybe. You know, there, there's no substitute for having somebody on a, you know, a reasonable wage doing this job as opposed to having it automated.
2: It's similar to what we were talking about before, human skill. If you watch somebody welding something, using a you know, welding system to weld a seam, or if you're watching a chef prepare a meal, or somebody even, you know, you could argue paint spraying a car, they're all skills that have been, uh, you know, achieved over a long period of time. They are very difficult to program out and automate with a robot. Um, robots tend to like consistency, things that, that come in the same shape and size continually, where humans are very adaptable. So those are the areas that we see that there's still human skill involved. Now, to give you welding as an example, there is a global shortage of, of welders. But you can actually operate a hybrid workforce where you might let the, the cobot weld up the really simple things the smaller brackets the repetitive sort of things and let the the actual skilled welders concentrate on their where they add real value to the end assembly the bigger parts the things that take real skill to do seams on things like tanks and vessels and stuff so that's where we see that robots can come in and and sort of share that, that um, task base if you like with the, the normal employee workforce
0: And that was Niall Kitson chatting with Mark Gray, UK and Ireland country manager for Universal Robots. That's it for our show for this week. Do remember you can get the lowdown on all things tech in Ireland with hourly updates, daily newsletters and more at our website techcentral.ie. And of course, you can listen to us each week online or Fridays with RTE Radio 1 Extra. Until next time, for myself, Dusty Rhodes, and from Nal Kitson. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy your St. Patrick's weekend. Take care. Tech Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at TechCentral.ie. Tech Radio is produced by DigitalAudioProductions.com. Tech
2: Central.